Uh, I love how housing can influence so many different things about the way the people lead their lives. Homestyle Green, episode 174. What does it mean to design housing, not just houses? G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Now this week I'm bringing you a conversation I've had recently with Karen Manson of CK Architecture. Karen started uh, CK Architecture in Christchurch in 2015 and she's got about 15 years of experience behind her, um, largely from the UK, uh, from uh, doing quite large mixed-use, high-density, medium-density projects, including urban design and healthcare. And uh, she popped into the ProClimber Hub recently, and I um, took that opportunity to sit down and, and record a conversation with her about her experience. So let's pick up the conversation talking about how she got into some of the bigger projects where she was able to design housing, not just houses, so you changed from primarily urban, so urban design you got interested in. And you, Architecture at an urban design. And, but at, at a larger scale. At a larger scale. Level. So my interest is housing. It's not... Individual houses. It is individual houses, but that is part of a wider category, which is housing. Right. Which is how we house people, um, what the influence of housing has on how people live their lives, on their yep. urban spaces, on, yep. on that wider thing. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite from one of those sort of architect as object kind of things like that. I'm like, oh, you're not a star I'm not a star architect and I'm not a piece of art. I love how housing can influence so many different things about the way that people yeah. lead their lives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's an ethical obligation behind it to provide houses that are healthy and warm and um, secure. I'm fascinated by this. So you as a professional, how do you get into that position of getting an urban design project? Because isn't that part of the challenge? You kind of know, you have that experience of Mm. of how to to plan a whole bunch Mm. of houses together, how to create community. But that's not something that there are there aren't many clients that are asking for that. How no, do you, but how I, do you I, get those jobs? Well, I in the UK, I, I went for a job and I got it, and they got me on the first day and they said, "Okay, Karen, here's your seven hundred houses." And I just went, <laughs> I just don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. Yeah. And they just taught me how to do it. So I'm not. I don't have a master's in urban design. I'm yeah. not trained in that. I just I came into it by architecture by just working for a company that did large-scale regeneration. Yeah. And it just turns out that that's... It really resonated to me. Yeah. That it's not just about your envir- your initial environment, that it's about wider... Yeah, yeah. ...wider influence. And, and so that all sustainability comes into that because totally. your building is not an object. It's yeah. like, what's it... You might be building it for you, but what's it going to do 10 years down the line or 20 mm. years down the line? How does it make other people feel how does it yeah yeah so what's the potential now what's the scope for you as a as a practice yeah i'm a small practice and i am i'll probably i'm looking to expand Mm -hmm. but with personal and family things i'm a little bit restricted at the moment um 
I am concentrating on being technically very astute and very good mm -hmm. at what I do. So I've taken a step back to the small scale. Um, right. I've got clients that have come to me that said they want something a little bit different mm -hmm. from the New Zealand housing. Um, we, we're building smaller, tighter, better, and I'm, I'm doing all the working drawings myself. I'm doing everything so that I know exactly how to do this well yeah. within the New Zealand market. And the thing that I'm concentrating on is cost at the moment as well. Right. Um, I'm, I'm frustrated, like anybody working in building, at the cost of building. Mm -hmm. and, and these are people that are not, the people that are coming to me are not wealthy yeah. people. They are they're people, average people who just want something different. They've got yeah. a budget of, say, 800000 or something like that mm -hmm. at the most. And that's a lot of money to them. Yeah. So we've got it's a, a lot of money. It's a lot of money to anybody, you know. <laughs> yeah. People are coming with less than that, six hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah. So we have to cut through that and try and make it effective and much more efficient, so mm. that when um, hopefully I scale up, I've got mm. some of that. Do these people typically um, come with experience of being in a better than average New Zealand home? Um. Not experience of it, but I'm in the lucky position that I can choose my clients at the moment, and I'm tending to choose people who have some knowledge of building or some technical background. A lot mm -hmm. of people who come to Passive House do have a very uh, technically very astute. Yeah, they might not be construction, but they'll be. So one of my clients was a, a mechanical engineer, right, um, for Hampton Jet. Right. So. It was that level of detail mm -hmm. that, and so then you're already engaged on that level. Yeah. So that that's quite helpful. So, so they researched and they yeah. understand what they're after. And so they found some solutions, but at the beginning of that, they must have at some point realised that they don't want to settle for yeah. a yeah. typical New Zealand. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. if it's a new New, Ze new Zealand house. Yep. Yeah. Is there a common thread to, to why that is or are these people just recognising that that's, for some reason, it's not going to work for them? It's a good question, that. What's the common thread? I think some of the common thread is having experienced different types of housing. They've lived overseas. Right. Or one of the partner is from overseas. They have some experience of things like central heating, so they know yeah, what it's like yeah. to live in a house that is things. warm. <laughs> yeah, warm in all the areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got some understanding that New Zealand houses, the typical New Zealand houses, isn't quite performing. Yeah, yeah. I I find the same thing. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in. in, in I guess identifying those people and, and why mm. why they do recognise that difference. Because if all you've ever seen and experienced is a New Zealand house, mm. I think people are more willing, or they must be willing to accept Spatially that. Spatially as well. I think that's people who've experienced different spatial way of configurations and tighter ways of living. Like terrace um, housing or... Exactly. Or more yeah, so they're kind living. of okay about the idea that you... Because, you know... Doing this kind of design is, it, it's not the technical detail at the start, it's actually yeah. the attitude to the way that you live yeah. um, and what spaces are needed and how, if we can double some up and get rid of some spare excess space yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So that I think the common thread is that 
my clients have all had some experience of something other than a big sprawling house. Right. So they're okay about doing two stories yeah. or okay about... So they've either come from overseas or they've gone and experienced yeah. that. And, yeah, and, and I don't think so. I'd ever actually distilled that before, but yes, that would be... Well, I always say that most of the best clients in New Zealand have accents. Mm. <laughs> or, or they've been overseas and experienced it and then come back and mm-hmm. reject it. Mm-hmm. What is on offer in most most of the market. That's what I've done as an architect. Yeah, and, and a lot of the architects as well. Yeah. We didn't mean to build our own house. We just got to Christchurch and looked at all the houses um, post-earthquake and went, we, we, we're not quite sure of where the damage is. We're not quite sure of um, what's gone on in the repair. Yeah. So we just went bought a site yeah. and crossed our fingers. Yeah, well, for architects, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it turned out it was TC3 land and it was when the banks weren't um, insured. Nobody was insuring TC3 land, so it was hard to get a mortgage on it. There was no MB guidance. Um, and we took a look at the geotech and we scratched our heads and had a good talk to some geotech engineers. And mm. we went, right, we can do this. Right. We, we can do this on yeah. the site. Um, and yeah. then we just crossed our fingers and went for it. <laughs> Which is kind of what you've got to do in the question. Yeah. Now, you mentioned cost. Uh, the, obviously, that, that is a big thing what are some of the things that you've looked at for getting that cost down okay sit one step back from that Mm -hmm. um more about sort of the philosophy of what i do which will lead into the cost sure um but my thing is very much what is a building yeah some walls, it's a roof, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it does. What's the purpose of it? Mm-hmm. To keep the water out, to be warm inside, to keep you secure. So therefore, that there's so much products and so much information on the market. Clients come with all these ideas. It's almost quite overwhelming. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. You've done a bunch of research. Let's just pop this here. Yeah. Then let's say, what's your floor? What's your walls? What's your roof? What's the purpose of your house? Mm-hmm. And if we can answer those questions and make the fabric, the actual structure of the house work really, really well, then we don't need to add in all that extra cost. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to simplify and make your building do the thing so you won't need central heating, you won't need underfloor heating, you won't need this, you won't need that. Right. So let's let's do what we can with that and then we'll start to pull in these other quite costly things if and when they're needed. Right. Um, So my attitude to cost is... It's quite well aligned with Passive House, like making a simple building shape, mm-hmm. looking at, you know, things like how many junctions and, yep. you know, corners and stuff. So if yep. you, it just works alongside each other quite nicely to make yeah. it as simple a house as possible. Then you start, you know, windows are expensive. Yeah. Um, so you really assess what your windows are doing. You have, um, you know, a lot of people are scared. They think Passive House means small, tight windows. But it's like, okay, let's put some peak lovely windows in the right place yeah and then let's like have smaller ones here and then if you can crunch the numbers on them you can say well actually you do some daylighting studies and you can say yeah that's enough light for me in there i don't need to go any bigger yeah so if you can pull your windows down to the to for them to work hard and do their job properly um and a simple building shape and then make the windows work hard Make the windows back up. They've got an amazing job to do. Yeah. And spend some awesome money on some big ones. They do. I mean, they've got, 
they've got multiple jobs to do. You know? Yeah. Like, and I remember from doing renovation uh, extension, which is effectively a new part of a building, being asked by a designer first where where and what type of windows, and then of course we have typical clients we change that that mm. build stage. So mm. then we're having that conversation with the builder, and I felt that we were totally guessing. And looking yeah. back now, we were guessing. We were just yeah. oh, this and people overestimate what they need. That's yeah, what yeah. Happens. Oh, we had we ended up with windows in there that we yep. or doors that should have been windows because yep. we never used them as yep. doors and windows that were, were too big. We or, did the same on our own house. We were living in a dark colder house at the time we right. overglazed but you, you mentioned that it's possible to do a daylight study yeah. or do a calculation i do now. daylight studies on all my projects so you do yeah but that would be fairly uncommon for a lot um, of architects i don't know I, I couldn't comment on what other people do i just think it's important because i'm assessing the windows for more than just their visual impact yeah um i need to make to be certain that the daylight they're getting enough daylight yeah and so I do, yeah, I do daylight. Like I think it's a really important thing for people to know mm. that a lot, so much can be modelled and so much can be known mm. at design stage now. And mm -hmm. PHPP is a really mm -hmm. good example of that. You can know how your house is actually going to perform. Yeah. Or even using design PH as a guidance. So I've been yeah. using that. I haven't been able to operate the full PHPP because I didn't have quite that level of knowledge right. until recently Time. so but i've been using design ph <laughs> yeah. just to to give a rough idea yeah but part of that's client driven as well the clients sure there's so much information and so much research that they want hard data um and so that's a good thing it's not necessarily good enough for an architect to say well i actually my intuition yeah that's my years of experience say that right they want the data so yeah. design ph only really gives a result for the client to see that I'm saying the right thing because I'm right. not sure that they should write. I've got a pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah. But I almost have to bottle it to prove in an information-heavy world. Yeah. So design PH, that's SketchUp. With, with SketchUp? Yep. Plugin? SketchUp plugin. Easy? Yep. Pretty quick? Yeah, pretty quick. Punch out a, a sketch? Bit fiddly, but yeah. Yep. Pretty but, quick. but good for that purpose. Of... Really good. And so you can get the information. If you're using a Passive House certified window, for example, you can get the information and it's all preloaded into there. You can select the window, you yeah. can select the glazing type. Yeah. And you can, it's really good for comparison between, okay, I will, I'm looking at a UPVC double glazed versus a timber triple glazed window. Mm -hmm. There's a cost difference. Yeah. What's my difference in terms of how the house performs? And it'll just right. give you an answer in, in the passive house, kilowatt hours per annum, heat right. and heat. So right. it's not it's not really detailed. No, but it's not going to tell you if one's going to condensate or not. No, but that's that's my job. Right. Because but it is going to give you a, a sort of bottom line give you a bottom energy line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. idea. And yeah. so would that be a good foot in the door for someone like a designer or someone who's looking at exploring mm -hmm. house, but not necessarily jumping right into PHP. You've got to know what you're looking at, to be honest. It, sure. it sort of works. You still have to be motivated to... Yeah, to... and you need to... You can't sort of just take a building and chuck it in. You kind of... It's a design tool that goes along with your experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, taking a building and chucking it in, it comes back to my question. And yeah. I think you're a really good answer of saying stepping back and saying, what's the purpose and starting with that 
um, or even before the envelope, is it saying, yeah. what do we actually want to get How out of this How many people live in your building? How do you operate? Those, yeah, those yeah. really early briefing questions yeah. that you, um, what what do you need? What, what's your daily routine like? Yeah. Let's talk about how these spaces work and how they interact. Which is fundamentally different from the option that is out there for most people, which is walking into a show yeah. home yeah. and saying, oh, I like that fridge. <laughs> or can we have that bench top? See, I have no problem with mass-produced housing. I'm, I'm definitely not against it. Yeah. Um, my background is in mass-produced housing. It's yeah. just I haven't... I have a bit of a problem with the type of mass-produced housing yes. that we're getting, but ideally, I'd like to get back into housing as a as a typology and medium density housing, yeah, even high density housing. Um, I think the kind of those those spatial planning skills are really important there yeah, to make sure they work. And yeah. I've had a I've had a very thorough background in that. So when we work in social housing in the UK, we you know we, we have standards to adhere to. Yep. And so you're busy putting in like bed shapes and stuff like that to make sure that your beds fit in and you've got the, the circulation around them. And yeah. um, it's a really good education in, in how to make a tight house work, but know that five people can occupy that house and they've got a place to put everything and they can move around. Yeah, right. that, that level of planning is not required in the private sector and it's certainly not required. In New Zealand, but that was the training that we had. So that's a mandatory. Yeah, social housing in the UK has quite, yeah, quite mandatory requirements and quite strict rules about how you. Mm. Yeah, because you've got like a three bedroom, five person house. It's not a big house. It's not a big apartment. No, no. And so you need to make sure that it all works. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking that down the lines, the fact that we've got a bit of a blunt instrument here in New Zealand in terms of pretty rough restrictions on mm. size mm. as a as a pseudo metric for is this big enough or not. Mm. What we should be looking at is how how easy is it to get around and how easily we've got to accommodate X number of we, people. We have big houses on single plots and we have very small apartments. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of that middle ground. Middle, yeah. Um, and that middle ground is is where my interest yeah, yeah. Well, the um, other thing that annoys me about that middle ground is that it often gets filled in with a house in the backyard. Mm. So you end up with an older house and then a new house in the backyard mm. that follows the recession plans of the, mm. and it just looks overly. Whereas much better solution would bowl the original house and. and oh, yeah, but then is bowling a house a good solution either? To know it's a it's how long is a piece of string? It is a bit tricky. It's probably case by case as well. Yeah. Just you know what what's going to suit in that particular area, what's going to mm. happen, what's going to be best in that situation. Mm. But it just it that's another reminder of the the gap that we have in where some of this design thinking is in in the developed market. We haven't traditionally had the training in those areas either. I mean, my education was twenty years ago, but there was no. Your formal my architecture formal, training. My formal architectural education. Yeah. Did but then you got your experience. Oh, my experience in the UK was all that, but I don't yeah. think our experience, we don't have a, a history of good medium density housing. Mm. Um, and there's still some really big um, psychological hurdles to overcome oh, yeah. with it. They feel like yeah. they're tight, tiny boxes. And I look at a lot, a lot of what's being produced and it feels like a tight, tiny box. And yeah, a, a good medium density. Um, housing development can feel quite spacious. It can mm. do all those things. Um, 
You mentioned an example there about flow around, mm. say, a bedroom. Mm. What are some other things that make a, a medium density project work? Usable outdoor area. Yeah. Yeah. Balconies that are big enough to do things on. Not just little Juliet balconies. Yeah. Well, if you're going to go for a Juliet, go for a Juliet. Don't pretend it's anything else. But right, right. I have no problem with the Juliet. That is what it is. But it's yeah. these ones that are that big that I don't know. Big enough for chair, but not the table. Yeah, yeah. You've got to make your. You've got to make. Not a big house on a small plot. There's got to be a the right size amount, and you've got right. to be able to use it. You've got to be able to put your washing out. Medium density still generally has back gardens and outdoor space. Yeah. It's not. So making spaces functional yep. before the aesthetic of just putting pretty things on there. Yeah, everything's got to be functional mm. for me. Mm. I mean, the aesthetics come part and part. That's what I do as an architect. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not saying it's not an aesthetic thing. I have some pretty strong aesthetic opinions. Um, but it comes back to that architecture is more than just an object. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's you influencing the way people live their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah huge. Uh, before you mentioned that you felt that you were lucky because you get good, quote unquote, good clients. Good clients, yeah. How's that come about? Word of mouth at the moment. <laughs> I have so you've been up and running for three years. I've been up and running for three so years. Did you hit the ground running when you? I hit the ground with one house. Right. And um, for my part time. Availability then that's mm -hmm. about one house on the yeah. go, one starting, one finishing. Yeah. Um, so I've only got a couple of built projects. Yeah. You know, I am really new to that. But those those have been they're at the uh, top end of performance. Yep. Uh, in, in the high performance projects. houses. They've all got HRV. They've all airtight. And the people that have come to you with that brief or with that you, brief, right. yeah. I do have a couple of projects um, on the books at the moment that are not like that, but mm -hmm. they're for friends and family. Right. So. So they might get it whether or not they ask for it? Uh, no, one of them is for my builder parents, and it is not. My, my bottom line was you will insulate the edge of the slab. Right. Oh, good, good. I'm pleased to be <laughs> that, that. That was it. That's it. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I actually think it's really good to work in that market still as well because... Yeah. One of the houses I'm doing at the moment is a 100 square metre basic 3604 house as cheap as possible. And it's telling me how to do that. Right. Um, and my set of drawings is six pages or something, six, seven pages. Yeah. And to do a building consent that easily and, and it all still be logical is a really good experience. And it's a cheap house. Wow, so, that is also really interesting. I remember talking to um, people at BCRTO, uh, not BCRTO, um, Boyne's building officials recently, yeah. and they were talking about, they basically confirmed my suspicion that 3604 is so much the path of least resistance that yeah. to do it, we've got this crazy situation where if you want to build above the code, if you want to build a really good house, it's much harder to do. It's, it's yeah. really hard to 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 prove because the the purpose of the code, the act, like you mm -hmm. said, is to, is to keep people warm and sheltered and dry. Mm -hmm. You're actually doing that better by going above and beyond. But you have but the process to, makes it harder. The process to, to makes it harder. Um, and you've got to know what to submit 
and you've got to submit it well. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you just use a schedule method and, and choose to go four, six pages, yeah. done. Yeah. Well, I think it might have been seven, and I think the last page was a picture of how to um to, to pull back your hot water, secure your hot water cylinder, and the couple oh, yeah, of things yeah, that yeah. have come out of, yeah. out of things. But it's really but important. But that's a stock, that's a downloadable yeah. PDF. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really important to do projects like that because you end up um, down the line of architecturally designed projects with um, really complicated details, and you need to remind yourself that you got to keep simplifying. You know, right. you've got to keep. Part of cost is is having a simple building envelope and having a simple structural strategy. Yeah. So you're not putting extra members in. Yep. That's a good lesson as well. Yeah. For those of us who are really wanting to move the industry and, and wanting to do high performance, mm-hmm. is what can we learn from three six zero four, or what can we learn from that process that has made it easy to do that? And, yeah. And can we translate any of that to uh, a much higher performance? Mm. Um, outcome, mm. and I guess the simplification would be the, the yeah. way to do that. A lot of people are a bit scared. They're like, I don't want a box. So it's the architect's skill in taking a building that is simple in terms of its the way it's designed and making it look the way people want yeah. it to look yeah. for, for their aesthetic things. Yeah. Um, again, it's that kind of stuff by stealth. You, you, you want to design out all the extras that are not needed, but make mm. sure the stuff that's in there is really important. Yeah. So making sure that the entrance is really important. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really big on front doors and streets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> front door. You've got to be able to see. You're visiting a house. You've got to be able to see the yes. front door. To me, it is just really basic. And yeah. people seven houses don't have this. So you've got to make your entrance really important and inviting uh-huh. And easy to get through. You've got to make your connection between the indoor and the outdoor is another key point in New Zealand houses. Mm-hmm. Put your tire, your 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 complication in there, your big windows mm. in there, anything tricky like you know your joints. That's where it can go. Yeah. The rest of the building is simple. Yeah. Shell. Yeah. That performs a function of keeping out the water, keeping in the heat. Yeah. That's that's to, that's my strategy. Yeah. In yeah. terms of. Yeah, just focus on those key areas. Yeah, yeah. Because the buildings have got to be simpler. They're so complicated in so many other ways that you, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to do something simple well. Yeah. You've got to get through it. Yeah, yeah, to make it look that's, simple, that's, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. 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 You mentioned before uh, when we were talking downstairs about uh, that you've, you've had a bit of a play with SIP and, mm-hmm. and also Panelization, yep. prefabrication, but it's sounding like the in terms of cost, it's more important about the whole process and the design yep. at the outset. Yeah, prefabrication is not going to be a, a silver bullet in terms no, of either performance or bullet. price. And what works this year will be different next year. Yeah. Um, the industry is moving so quickly. So again, a lot of clients will say, I want to come and I want to build with this system. Right. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Off it to one side. Let's <laughs> yeah. get the building sorted. <laughs> and then we bring them the system. Yeah, right. Because by the time we get there, you know, how many months down the line, something else new might be on the market. Let's uh-huh. let's sort the building first and then then we can assess, once we have the shape and the yeah. form and stuff, we can assess the different products and we can start pricing the different products. Um, windows have moved so far mm-hmm. since I started. You know, we've got in globally or uh, in New Zealand. New Zealand so yeah. you know, we there was when we were looking at our house, there was one or two timber 
ones, but none of them were passes our certified. It, it, there really wasn't that much available. Now you're getting, there's a few in New Zealand yeah. that are doing certified passive house timber windows. Um, the process to import them. Yeah. Um, I've got my head around so we can import. Yeah. Um, there's a whole, there's so many more options. What's your, so couple of three years down track, what's your vision for CK architecture? Probably to have a new name. <laughs> Right. <laughs> probably to brand properly and sort of um, I'd like to be a small a small practice with, you know, four or five people or something. Right. Like that, yeah. And doing some more of that sort of multi you know, Yeah, getting sort of getting back into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As as part of the thing. I like I actually you know, I love housing, so housing in any form yeah. I want to do, but I'd like a mix yeah. of those. But I think it's such an important distinction between producing houses and producing housing. Yeah. yeah. Houses is one houses single standalone houses for um, private residential clients mm -hmm. is one form of housing, mm -hmm. um, and each can feed into the other. But there is a a, a larger scale and a, a commercial um, yeah housing. As but well. and but also just for community and for yeah. for New Zealand in general. I think yeah. we, the more we start thinking about housing, yeah. uh, the better. I mean, everyone yeah. everyone benefits from that. Yeah, and so I hope that people like you do get to work on <laughs> projects. I think that's the challenge is, yeah. is teaming, is getting you in front of people like Housing New Zealand or um, mm. whether it's Christchurch that's doing some of their own development or, or a big developer who, who's uh, enlightened, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, getting those opportunities to work on not just individual mm. houses but really But individual on. houses are teaching me my trade in New Zealand. So I got right. taught my larger scale um, design trade as such in the UK. Now I'm learning my technical and my exactly how it works in New Zealand and the nuts and bolts of it. And I'm learning that off the houses and yeah. combine yeah. the two of them together. Yeah. You're in a really strong position to encourage better building yep. within the industry because you've got that background yep. to it. Yeah. Um, so you come with your little bag of sustainability. And do you think working on like, coming back to your, your three six zero four project? Do you think it helps with that just to, to have that? It's, I actually think it's really it important to work, not just at the high end. I think it's important to work mm. with the standard stuff, so you know what's going on. And the other thing that we completely forget is like ninety percent. Oh, I don't know what the um the, the percentages in New Zealand, but most of our housing is already built. Yes, it's stock housing. Yep. So that's the next. That's big, big question is the big challenge of stock What do we do with all those existing housing, all those beautiful yeah, 150 yeah. houses? <laughs> and how do, yeah, how do we... What do we do with them? You've got to make buildings better without knocking them down all the time. Mm. Knocking them down is not necessarily the right way. Mm. I mean, the amount of... Then you get into the whole sort of carbon life cycle yep. and you get into the disruption yep. and then you get into social things about you know who gets moved here who yeah, to do yeah. that yeah. it's such a wider picture that we've got existing housing and the most cost effective way and the most the best way is to upgrade mm -hmm. that without throwing the baby out of the bathroom mm -hmm. um so because i was involved in estate regeneration 
in the UK and oh, okay. political sides of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's really interesting things that happen with what you do with people, how you decant them, and yep. who gets back in, and the, the commercial ratios of, of social to um, private housing, and mm. and it's all it's all got what's it since I. Since I've left, the, you know, stuff that we were quite enthusiastic about, we thought was doing really well. And then you can see what's happened with developers. Uh, and actually some of these estate regenerations are not, they're just putting more private housing in and the people have been turfed out because the estate's been pulled down. Mm. So, yeah, so what we do with existing housing stock, I think, is not talked about that much. No. No. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know what the answer is, but it's a bit. I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, because question it, it doesn't take very long for a house to disappear mm. and become a, a flat piece of grass for mm. for three or four or five houses to be built in its place. Which is good. Which is really good for an urban, like you know, densification point of view. Mm. Um, but where's all that beautiful Remo and? Yeah, and then you have to rebuild again, and then what happened to the people in there? So this sort of has mm. to be wiping the slate clean and starting again is appropriate in some places, but is it necessarily always appropriate? Mm. And how do we how do we do all these things that we want to do with what we've got already? Because yeah. yeah. we are very much knocking down and rebuilding, but then we're rebuilding. Yeah, um, it, it's a it's a debate to be had, yeah. and it's happening now with the and, quality and of our um, quality of our um, um, uh, rental market. And stuff like yes, that. Yeah. yeah. I'm also really interested in um, a different typology for, for example, um, multi generational mm. housing. Yes, same. And also. Uh, different cultural housing. I mean, we can learn a lot from looking at how a marae was you, was set up. With a, so my a next meeting weekend. I'm going into is exactly on that. So right. I've been collaborating with um, a couple of people in Auckland. Um, we've been putting a response to an RFP in Christchurch on multi-generational right. housing. Because of course, there's huge consenting challenges to, Massive to doing that, consenting which challenges. is ridiculous. Yeah. Because we we've got this European idea. It's, I don't think it's even European. It's I don't know. It's it's a it's a archaic ideology of of rate collection. I think around uh, let's use a kitchen as a mm. as a metric for mm-hmm. what for what determines a dwelling. Whereas we should be looking at how do we create community and mm-hmm. how do we create housing, and that might mean having something similar to a uh, Fari, yeah, or a, a meeting house in the middle, and then having some spaces around that, and that suits not just Iwi, but it suits suits a lot of Polynesian um, cultures. And Polynesian, Asian, it yeah. it suits an Asian population where you where you get people. So then you come exploring into making your home. And yeah, and the other thing that you bring into it is your lifetime homes, so what life market mm. type thing. So again, oh, which is a no brainer for me. Well, it's like the seven sixty doors. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> do you know, I put every time with my clients, I do a twelve hundred space for a door with three hundred on the side of it. And people are like, Why is your why is your wardrobe not bigger? Let's say something like that so you can open your door. It, yeah, yeah. it became part of my training and part of my practice in the UK because it was compulsory yeah. that we did these things. That's so when you're saying smaller houses, you make them smaller, but you can't make them tight. No. You've got to be able to move around them. Yes. And then you've got to say, well, I might inhabit this now, 
but who else might live here and who the, the sort of premise of the lifetime home stuff was it wasn't just people who were disabled it wasn't just aging people well what if you what if you break your leg where's your temporary bed yeah Karen, where's your temporary <laughs> bed going to be in the downstairs yeah. so you showed a temporary yeah. bed space so that your house could be adapted yep. to that yeah so the houses it's all about making them adaptable yeah. Um, and not along those strict lines of this is what a house looks like and this is how it's how it's used. Yeah. We talk about what might be used, yeah. how you yeah. can change things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested in And I, I think that that comes into multi-generation, so that we've got to find a solution for that where yeah. we really can have more than one yeah. uh, dwelling and, and not necessarily having to a new separate title yeah. for each one. But it's not just it's not just saying this is a, a Māori thing or, or no. that just like everybody has like families that are starting out that might have need to have yep. a, a flat within the family house yeah. before they get going because nobody can afford, not many people can afford to buy houses. So how can we fit that within the within the family, the bigger family home? Yep. Is there a place? Well, I'm thinking of one in particular, a friend who, who had a young baby and um, they they redid the basement in their mum's house because yeah. that's the only way that they could get, yeah. get a yeah. house. So, yeah. And they had consenting issues. They had to yeah. share a laundry in the end. That was the way they made it, kept it being one dwelling. Right. It's nuts. So, yeah. And you always feel like you're trying to find a, a sneaky way through rather than being mm. the, the path of least resistance, which is... Mm-hmm. 3604 standard, standard ways of doing things just do it like this yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. adaptability climate adaptability yeah. social adaptability yeah these that's why i like housing is a way to think yes. it takes all those pieces and pulls it together yeah um and thinks not just about the moment yeah yeah very good that's my philosophy <laughs> sounds good and that was Karen Manson there. And as Karen said, she doesn't have a website at the moment, but you can find her on Facebook at CK Architecture. It's actually CK-Architecture is her um, link. I'll put links to that in the show notes, which you will be able to find at homestylegreen.com forward slash 174 for some notes about this uh, this episode and uh, I summarise some of the um, some of the highlights that I took from my chat with Karen. Hey, uh, do you know the quality of the air that you're breathing at home or at the office? Well, it's something that I have been increasingly interested in largely at home where I was waking up at, uh, with a bit of a headache, uh, particularly during the wintertime when we had our bedroom all closed up just to try and keep warm. So I grabbed myself a CO2 meter. Now this, uh, I remember when I was back in engineering school, was a pretty expensive exercise. It cost me about $700 to get a, a decent CO2 meter. And it was fairly basic. I uh, didn't have any data logging, couldn't, couldn't log into it, couldn't do anything fancy like that. Technology's come a long way since then, and you listeners uh, from of uh, a while ago might have um, come across my episode with Dustin of YooHoo, and I've tried out a YooHoo device at home, 
and uh, it's pretty incredible. It's got nine sensors in it, so I can measure temperature, humidity, carbon dioxide, even carbon monoxide, which is interesting, volatile organic compounds, it's VOCs, and also another interesting one is particulates, so PM 2.5, and they're the very, very small things that float around, like dust and things like that. So it's been interesting to watch those, and you can watch them with a Yoohoo because you can log in and uh, it tracks data over time. So if I wake up in the morning, I can kind of see what the CO2 levels were doing um, during the night. And I'm working on improving the ventilation of our 1950s homes. So it's a bit of a project, and I'm looking forward to seeing, um, quantifying what difference that makes once we get the ventilation system up and running. So if you'd like to get some information about the air that you're breathing, whether it's at home or at work, check out Yoohoo, that's uhoo.co.nz, uhoo.co.nz, or you can flick me an email, Matthew at Homestyle Green, and I'll hook you up with one. Hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. If you did, I'd love to get uh, your feedback. Um, and also, you can head on over to uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to this and give us a rating. Um, and also subscribe to this show so that you receive regular updates. And it'd be great if you can tell others about the show as well so we can grow the audience and improve housing and uh, the quality of life for people. That's it for me for this week. Now go make a better place to live.